What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Unfiltered Experience, where we have unfiltered conversations designed to move your confidence and your awareness forward in your life so that you can live an amazing, abundant life. I am Christopher Roush, your No Excuses Coach, and of course, I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Scott Goyette. Here I am. <laughs> Scott Goyette. What's going on, Mr. Scott Goyette? Happy Friday night. How are you? Enjoying, just enjoying this existence, the polarities, the ups and downs, and finding that space in between and enjoying every moment. What you, brother? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, it's been a challenging week uh, dealing with some pain and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, being grateful for the fact that it's not worse. And I'm not in other situations where some of my friends are at dealing with the fact they've lost some of their family relatives and things of that nature this week. It's been a crazy week for people who have gone through some traumatic stuff. So, you know me, I always keep my focus on what I'm grateful for and the fact that, you know, where it is that we're going and what it is that we can do to take responsibility for where we're at. And I think that's one of the great things that we do here on the show is we give people that opportunity. So if you're new to the show, thank you guys for being here. We're always here every Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you are new to us, please always go to the unfilteredexperience.com. Check us out there. Take our audio podcast with you wherever you go we are on show 230 something so we have done some amazing shows we've had some incredible guests right now we're doing seasons of shows so if you haven't been following us for a while go back and check out the last season about who am i the identity and uh, some pretty incredible conversations there scott and then this season we're talking about leadership so um yeah i mean it's uh how, how you been leading this week I have been leading by example, even though oftentimes it's very exhausting. And I've also been calling myself out when I fail to lead by example and I make a mistake. And I think that's also super crucial in being a leader is kind of laughing and going, yeah, I, I teach this and preach it, but I just didn't follow it. And there's something beautiful about the student or somebody who's watching you and says, "Ooh, that's what I want to be in a leader is honest, transparent and, uh, and genuine, even though it's exhausting. It's like, okay, one more thing I got to adjust, but that's just part of leadership right there. So, yeah, it really is. It's about, it's about what we're, what we're willing to tolerate from ourselves. And I think that's, sure. that's what sets the true leaders apart from the wannabe leaders is the fact that they won't tolerate those excuses from themselves to sit there and say, you yeah. know what, oh, I'm going to let it slide this time. It's like, no, I have to be congruent with my values. I have to set the, set the, the precedent for other people to sit there and see like there was that person like there was scott you know he was in a situation where he could have been incongruent with himself but decided to just go ahead and say no i'm going to call bullshit on myself and sit there and say no i can do a better job of this and i think that's the most important thing as as leaders is in our own right in our personal in our personal in our professional lives is being able to catch ourselves in those moments and say you know what no my integrity is greater i mean if i always think about it this way if a film crew was following me around right now what would i do like if they were sitting there doing a documentary on the life of Christopher Roush, would I sit there and say, skip it? Or would it be like, you know what, guys, we got to stop here for a second because I just wasn't, I wasn't congruent. So I need to switch what it is that I'm doing and take a moment. And it doesn't take much, but the, the, the output and the effect of that and the impact it can have on people is pretty dramatic. Yeah, 100%. I agree. And, and people need to, you know, see leaders are being transparent and genuine and, you know, all we can do is our best in being that. Which brings me up to our, our special guest that we're going to have today. And, and I want to share something because something that you and I always preach, he is demonstrating what we preach perfectly. So we always get a vision. You know, we talk about vision and mission. And some people know exactly what they want to do from day one. Like you find that thing, it lights you up. You're just excited about it. You know, you want to be around this certain thing. Could be healthcare, it could be business, could be opening a restaurant. Um, for this individual, I'll give you a little hint. It's going to be something, a, a sport, and it's a super fun sport. But what he's done, and I've watched it happen, is he had a vision of this is where I want to go. But he was enjoying every single moment 
of being part of that sport, being e extremely excited about it, always in engaged in it. And I've, I've watched him through COVID and through, you know, all these different challenges, stay a part of the sport and be a leader within that sport, but also allow that sport to direct him where his brilliance is. And he's going to tell you some stuff about leadership and he's going to do it in a much more articulate and better way than I can. And I want to share one more thing. He, I think, I think he's the furthest guest that we've ever had furthest from us here in the U S um, wow. because he's from, yeah, he's originally from Bloemfontein, South Africa. Uh, he's been all around the world through the sport. And so I'll introduce the sport and then introduce him. So he's somebody who has always sought after being an F1 racer, been around the idea of racing and he's been nothing but amazing in this space. And so he's allowed this game of racing to really change who he is, not change who he is, really um, allow him to become who he is through racing and find leadership in some of the most amazing spaces. So without further ado, my good friend, Stuart White. What's up, Stuart? Thank Welcome to the Uncover Experience. What's up, brother? Yes, thank you. Great to be here. We appreciate you being here. This is going to be an exciting conversation. I mean, I've always loved racing. When I was a kid, I was like, I was either going to be a rock star or a race car driver. And so I decided I was going to be a, a race car driver that was was a singer. And that didn't really work out so well. So I just <laughs> sing in the car. But uh, welcome to the show. We're going to have an amazing conversation tonight about leadership and about uh, about racing and how you incorporate both of those into your occupation. Absolutely. Yeah, so looking, Stuart's looking forward to it. <laughs> so tell us just a tiny bit about, you know, the start of your journey and where you're at. And then we can start talking about specific spaces where you really had to become a leader. Um, also, I just want to say this, too. It's funny because the last time I saw Stewie, you know, he was still a little boy and he was like, hey, do you want to play my race car game with me? And all I remember was I'm like, OK. And I was skidding all over the place, like just smashing into walls. And he's just like whoop, 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 and just staying straight the whole time. So. I know who you are already <laughs> as a race car driver. I want to get to know more about you as a leader. Yeah, so uh, uh, it's been a long journey. I must say it's uh, probably need a whole podcast just to explain everything that I've done. It's uh, in the racing world. It's constantly moving and uh, constantly new challenges arriving. But uh, in short, uh, my dad used to be a racing driver. So from, from day one that I can remember, I've been playing with racing cars and I remember building some some pillow racing cars out of our out of our couches, uh, acting as if I'm racing with my dad and putting him in the navigator seat, telling him that one day he's going to be navigating for me in an off-road race. So from from a little age, I, I remember just being part of motorsport, going to watch my dad, and then at a tender age of four, I started karting myself. At first, it uh, was a bit of a slow start. Obviously, very young, still trying to find your own feet, trying to to learn about life but uh, at the age of 11 i got opportunity to take my hobby and basically make it a, a full-time sport and to to chase my my dreams so I got pulled into a, a professional karting team in south africa that then took me to europe where i became a, a vice world champion in 2015 and uh, finished third in 2016 and on the way also winning four south african karting championships get, becoming the youngest driver to ever receive uh, the junior pr uh, Pratia colors and also senior Pratia colors. So that was something very special for me and still a, a record that I hold today. Um, and then from there on, I progressed into to Formula Racing, finishing as vice champion in my first year of Formula Racing and then getting probably the, the biggest phone call of my life from a Sauber Formula One team asking me to be 
to be part of the, the junior team. So still getting goosebumps as I speak about it now. And <laughs> actually looked at some of the pictures this morning in the Formula One factory and stuff. So it was really incredible experience to to sit with a basically full-on Formula One contract at the, the age of 16. So that was something very special to me. Unfortunately, um, after COVID, as I was about to progress into my second year of the program, um, all the programs stopped. Um, I think COVID changed a lot of a lot for a lot of people in, in life and I think it also made us thankful for a lot more in life and also not offering up any opportunities but rather taking every opportunity of both hands so um, after that I did some endurance racing in South Africa set five all-time lap records actually breaking one of uh, Valentino's lap records and also Jody Schechter that's uh, the only Formula One driver or ex-Formula One driver from South Africa so and I was pretty cool experience along the way and also COVID started with uh, what they call GD3 racing so a bit more of like a, a GD3 car that you can buy from 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 a dealer Lamborghini Porsche BMW but obviously heavily modified only about mm-hmm. the badge that's a uh, standard on them so I started racing in this and then progressed quite quickly into some of the biggest endurance races in the world um, for instance the Spa 24 hour that's the third or fourth biggest endurance race in the world and looking to progress even more now that I'm, I'm linked with uh, MO Frey Racing. That's a very big Swiss team that I raced for last year in the Lamborghini and then also part of them again this year of the, the development of a new Ferrari 296 and also racing for them in a 488 Ferrari. So a lot happening and basically at the Formula 1 of endurance racing, obviously being a Formula 1 is always the dream. It's a dream of every racing driver, but only... 20 drivers make it and some of them stay there for 10 or 15 years so obviously very limited seats that open up so a lot of drivers need to shift their focus and that's just what i had to do when when COVID hit and the dream of formula one was sidelined for a while but you never know when that might might reopen again but now my goal is just to be the best endurance driver that i can be Wow. Stuart, that's amazing. I have to tell you this. I did get a chance to drive a Formula One car. My wife got me a, a one of these gift card things where you go down to the track and you drive a Formula One car. So I got it up to 186 miles an hour with the with the guy, the, the guy that was watching me or spotting me. Um, and I so I got it up right up to the rev limiter and I was scared shitless being in that little car, but it was crazy. So I just had to share that with you because I, I, I can appreciate what it is that you're doing. Since you mentioned your dad being a, a race car driver, talk to us about some of the leadership principles that you really learned from him early on and, and that you've applied in the sport that have really helped you become the best that you could possibly be. Yeah, yeah before we get to that, actually, I'm going to tell you a funny story back to Formula One. So I've been in France a few times at what they call the Winfield uh, Formula One experience. And a lot of Americans have, have come over to do the experience. And obviously, I'm, I'm one of the trainers and coaches um, for the Formula One, teaching the people how to drive a Formula One car, and then people always get out of the car like, oh, that was crazy. Um, how many times have you been in a Formula One car? It's like, oh, funny you mentioned that. I've never even stepped in one, but I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little claustrophobic, I have to admit. Once I got in there, my helmet and everything, and, and like, you know, it was crazy. But uh, yeah, it was a blast. I mean, everybody, I think everybody should go do an experience. I just yeah, it's definitely comment. a great experience. I've never actually stepped in one, but have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, just getting uh, back to the question you asked about the leadership and everything that my, my dad taught me over the years. So I think Scott's very aware that my dad was part of my career and still is very much part of my career. When I was younger, we always took a bit of the harder route. Um, we never got... Uh, 
we never had a biggest budget, especially when we went racing in Europe, but we always maximized what we had. So my, myself and my dad were always working on the carts ourselves, doing the setup ourselves. He was giving me some driver training from the side and we really maximized what we had. And I think that gave me a lot of appreciation of taking something and doing the best. Even if you don't have the best equipment, you can still succeed if you believe in what you have. And I think that really taught me a lot about believing in what I have around me and not focusing on what other people have and where they might be in life. Some people might be a little bit further ahead. Some people might be a little bit behind, but not worrying about that and focusing on yourself and being the best version of yourself. So I think that taught, taught me a lot. Um, and then, yeah, my dad traveled with me around the world. Um, he taught me how to, to basically rent a car, fly, do all of that. So that was very important. But I would say the lesson that, that comes down to leadership is really he taught me is to, to not think about anyone else, not focus by anyone else. If you want to succeed, you need to focus on yourself and maximize what you have. And that's something that I still use to, to, to this day. I'm obviously now being involved with into Africa racing and South Africa more in a management role and also, also as a racing driver. That's something I always think of when it's, when it's going hard, when you're seeing a lot of other big teams coming to compete and then you're it's very easy to, to lose your focus and think, look what they have or look what they're doing. But end of the day, it's really to narrow down and say, okay, that's what they're doing. But uh, if we focus on what we have, then they will rather be looking around, trying to figure out what we're doing. And that's really the motto that we have in the team is to not focus on anyone else, but focus on ourselves. And some days it's hard, I must admit, uh, when it's going tough to, to be a racing driver, to, to, to be motivated and in the same position be it's in sort of a management role to motivate a team as well. But that's something that's really carried me through a lot of difficult things in life is to, to not worry about where you're at at this moment, but focusing on how you can improve it. That's Love badass. It. Thank you. Everything about that is so badass because, you know, Chris and I preach that and teach that and through our coaching, one of the things I'm always talking about is creating a set of principles and then creating your own path. You're not going down a path anybody's gone before you because it's your journey, your path. And it's very easy when sitting on that path to look over and go, oh, that path looks pretty good. But your path was built for you with your principles and you're blazing that trail. And so you might have a moment where things are a little rough. But at the end of the day, you know how to manage your tools. You know how to manage your principles. You know who you are. And I think too many people fail because they jump in the other path thinking the grass is greener. It's easier. And at the end of the day, your, your dreams are coming. Your dreams are materializing your dreams are your own and the action steps that you're taking are making this all possible. And, and that's why when you were telling me about, you know, the new form of endurance racing, I, I'm just seeing all this play out because, you know, what it's going to look like is going to be your picture and be absolutely amazing. Whether you're in management roles, driving roles, if you're in F1, if you're part of expanding endurance racing, but I already know wherever you're going to go, you're going to be massively successful because you're doing and saying all the right things. So talk a little bit more about that. And I want to hear about some of the endurance racing because your dad was doing that, right? Like the, that's kind of more what he did, right? The motor, like the, yeah, what was I think, it called again? Uh, it was off-road. Yeah, my dad used to do cross-country racing. So that's uh, more extreme endurance racing, like the Dakar type of races. So that's actually what I grew up dreaming that I would do one day. Obviously, life took a bit of a different course, especially when you're young. You can only do karting and go into circuit racing. So... That, that's what happened for me, but also those, that type of racing you can also do at a bit of an older age. You need to be a bit more mature and have a bit more of a stable head on you to, to drive 
um, for two weeks, like in Dakar, it's two weeks and nearly 9,000 Ks that they're racing. So you can't go flat out every day. It's a lot more management. You need to be a lot more experienced um, mechanically and also racing-wise. So something that I would look to to do one day. But then coming back to us, also, as you said, the grass not always green on that side. If I look at some of the competitors that I raced against and then see them being on the doorstep of Formula 1 and thinking to myself that, I, I was there at some stage, but then maybe three, four years down the line, they're joining the endurance racing. And then they're thinking, oh, I'd love to be where that guy is and that team racing one of the best cars. So it's sometimes you think someone else is in a greener spot, but from their side, it might also be greener on your side. So that's coming just back to what, what I said earlier about maximizing what you have around you at that certain point. I love it. When I think about, you know, race car driving, I think about the fact that you're handling so much pressure and so much, you know, uh, so much adrenaline that's going on. You know, how do you how do you advise your how do you think about yourself and making those quick decisions and those 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 determinations under such pressure? I mean, so many managers and so many leaders today are, are dealing with more with less and they're under that chaos and that pressure. What are some recommendations you have for making those quick decisions as a leader for yourself and for your teams? I think a lot of it comes down to, to experience. If I look at the decisions that I made three, four years ago, it's radically different to the decisions I take today. So obviously it comes a lot down to experience and also just belief. Um, if you make a decision, you think at that point it might be the right or the wrong one, but you have to go for it. You can't, can't doubt it. You just have to, to fully go for it, especially like endurance racing is obviously a lot of strategy in the 24-hour race that I did you make a strategy call and at that point you might lose five positions but four hours down the line you're gaining six or seven because of a call that you made so um yeah it's in racing it's really tough we can go anyways so many variables with sometimes 50 or 60 other cars racing that strategy is looking good at the start of the race might be drastically different 45 minutes into the race five safety cars later maybe seven cars less so it's constantly changing but it's just coming back to some days you'll flick a coin and be on the right side and some days you won't but it's just coming down to experience of what you've learned previous times and being in those positions more and more often to, to understand which way you want to go and that's i think if you look at formula one as well while you have the most experienced uh, team managers and team bosses winning the races because they've been in so many different situations that small situations don't intimidate is not such so intimidating to them anymore as what it might be for someone else. So I think motorsport is a very, very experience based uh, a sport. And unfortunately, you need to be young as well to have the speed, but you also have to, to learn really fast to have the experience to make the right calls. Sure. So, so I want to add to the Chris's question mm. and to your answer. Um, one of the things that Chris and I talk about quite extensively is the idea of being an observer. And so we're participants in our existence, right? You know, you're, you're Stu, you'll get Chris, you get here, Scott, like we're participants in this vehicle, it's this physical vehicle. But beyond that, when we can observe, you said the word, you know, all the variables, the different variables that are going on, whether it's racing, whether it's in life, talk about what it means. Cause you said it perfectly when you're young, you can go fast, but you still need the wisdom. I think a lot of that can be defined by both being the participant and the observer simultaneously. And the best leaders know how to do that. So whether it's F1, whether it's an endurance race, a lot of it is prediction, understanding variables, not just looking at here I am in the race car, but all the things that potentially could happen and being able to do that really quickly so that you can lead others or lead the team or lead your car to success. Talk about what it would look like you know, for somebody in any leadership role 
to be both participant and observer? I think that's a, a characteristic of uh, any great racing driver. I mean, if you look at uh, the Michael Schumacher, Edson Senna, Alan Prost, even Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, if you list, if you watch the races, they're always thinking about everyone else around them as well, what everyone is doing, what strategies they're on, how they can adapt to to do it better. So I think that's always very important. Also, if you look at like Max Verstappen, he's a great racing driver, obviously has a great package around him, but uh, while he's winning every weekend compared to his, his teammate is how quickly he can adapt to a different situation. Um, so with his experience, he knows, okay, what to do, maybe optimizing everything a little bit better, but it all comes down to experience and also thinking about what everyone else is doing. You can even see when there's a safety car, something is always asking his engineer what strategy everyone else is on. And if you watch the race, he's basically the only driver doing it. So he's always observing what's happening around him and then adapting. So by the time that everyone else is getting to the point of where they're thinking what he's done, he's already adapted to, to beating them. So I think that's that's the characteristic of uh, any great racing driver or anyone that's that's been to that level in, in any sport, if it's golf or rugby, anything. It's just how quickly they can adapt and seeing what someone else is doing before they're thinking about looking at someone else. What are some tips to help people get there? Because I think... Because I agree with you 100%. And the people that are, I admire most, whether it's in leadership role in business or sports or teaching or parenthood or whatever, are the people who understand that adaptation quickly because they see the big picture, they witness, they observe, and then they become an active participant of the change, You know, whatever it means to grow. So what are some tools you use or some tools that you see other people using with success at this time? I think it, it, it all comes back to the, the same basic that I've been speaking about, about believing in what you're doing at that moment. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't adapt because they always doubt if they're going to adapt, if it's going to be the right change or not. So it just comes back to that changing and just believing that the change is going to work. Sometimes it's not, and that's also how you learn. I mean, Alan Prost always says winning was great, but uh, losing is when he really grew. So um, you can't always win. You can't always make the right decisions, but sometimes you have to, to leap. Sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's not. It's like a rugby player running for the line. Sometimes he dives and makes it, and sometimes he gets stuck with art, but he, he went for it. And no one can ed- ever criticize you for going for opportunity or going for something, but the only one that can criticize you, you can only criticize yourself for not doing it. You can look back one day and think, what, what if? But if you did it and you failed, at least you're going to sit with sit with the ease that at least I tried. So that's the mentality I always go for. Yeah, that's great. I love that one. When I think about what you're talking about, Stuart, is the fact that, you know, we're really pushing the the, the boundaries of our, our abilities, right? Especially in race car driving, you're pushing your limits, you're, you're pushing all the different physical and mental aspects of your life. Talk to us about taking that risk and how do you get that same performance out of the team members that you have? So a lot of times, you know, we're doing our best and we're driven. We have a clear mission and a vision that what it is that we want to do and we're pushing our abilities. We're doing our best. We're striving. What is it that you do to have your team push those same boundaries and test abilities to be able to be the best for overall for the, for the overall win for the racing team? Love that. Yeah, so that's actually something quite interesting, but it's also something that I never really understood until I got more involved in the, the racing team at the end of last year. And at this, the beginning, we also had a bit of the problem where some people would be highly motivated and some people would just be, be there because it's a job. And it was extremely difficult to get everyone motivated. And the only way we could do it was to sell a dream to everyone, to, yeah. to make them believe every day when you walk, walk into the workshop, tell them, 
Imagine winning this race. Imagine winning this championship. Imagine working for the biggest team in South Africa or the most successful team. And slowly but surely, they started to believe in the same dream as, and same vision that we had. And obviously, when the results start to come, we had our first race, we were in our first pole position, then they also start to believe in the dream even more. But it, it's very difficult, especially in a team environment. And as much as everyone sees one driver in Formula One going around the circuit, there's a thousand people behind them. And if you have only 30 or 40% of people believing in a dream, it's never going to be successful. So it's very difficult to get everyone to believe in the same dream, but it's just by setting goals. And sometimes one person's goal might be different to someone else's. So it's to get the best out of the individual to to do their job, to the to maximize their job and reward what they're doing. Because obviously, if you don't get rewarded, you're not gonna gonna do um, the extra mile. So when they go the extra mile, we reward them, we thank them, and I think that goes a long way, especially in sports. I think a lot of the people behind the scenes don't get the recognition that they need to. And that was a, a, a big tool that, that we used to, to motivate the whole team and to sell them the dream of becoming the biggest and best team in South Africa. I love that. So one, one of the things that, um, I, everything you just said is so on point and I think it's so um, metaphorically perfect for any leader. So one of the things that I think a lot of us would love, you know, some pointers on is, you know, you said sell that dream. How do you paint that picture? Because one of the things that I find interesting, and you referenced it, is you have people who are motivated or non-motivated to start. But even the people who are non-motivated are not non-motivated. They're motivated by motivated by something. We just don't know what it is yet. Yeah. So how do we tap into each person in that dream? You know, some person might be money motivated. Some person might be success motivated, you know, in victory. Some people just want accolades personally. So how are you getting everybody to feel like they're a piece of that dream to really get the buy-in? Because I feel like that's a beautiful book that people need to get those answers because you've got a thousand people in a company, you've got hundred people in a company, 50 people on your team or whatever it is. How are you tapping each of those person uh, people and their excitement and motivation with the same story and the same dream? And what action items are you, you know, giving them so that we can start the process to truly be successful? Yeah, so obviously the the bigger the company is the bigger challenge i think it becomes because a racing team it's it's obviously a bit smaller we're only about eight or nine people that, that go to race weekends so it's obviously a lot easier to be in personal touch with with everyone so you can obviously understand a little bit better what they expect and the communication is a lot better but obviously in a bigger company it becomes a, a bigger challenge especially I think the CEOs and everyone gets a bit excluded to the to everyone, but um, I think the the basics stay the same. That you need to give every department a goal and a reward if they get to that goal, and in that department they will motivate themselves to reach the goal. Because obviously, if one guy is lacking, the other three guys that are motivated are going to try pick that guy up and pick his luck up to 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 reach the goal. And obviously, when they reach the goal and they actually see okay, the reward is there, they're going to work towards the ne- the next goal. So that's something we did um give you an example one of the guys on our team have been has been a motorsport for a very long time nearly 18 years but when he joined our team the first day he walked in it was something small we gave him a complete box as he walked into the door with uh, all his team clothing shoes jackets everything and he said wow this is the first time in 18 years of racing that someone has given me this clothes on the first day usually it takes two or three years and it was something like in general for us but 
for him it was such a big thing and I worked with him on the previous team and just something that small motivated him so much that he he worked until eight or nine o'clock at night without asking any questions just working and it was something so small and from from that we said to him the next goal of building stuff and and maximizing his potential that was never used in, in other companies so he's a very good fabricator so we started giving him jobs to fabricate and rewarding him on on his fabrication job and congratulating him and he was never involved in the pit stops of racing so we we taught him how to be involved in the racing in the pit stops and all of these little challenges really motivated him and today he's basically one of our best workers um he runs the aston martin vantage and one of our other guys runs a lamborghini that's also um, been part of the team for well basically from the start before the walls were even painted um he's been part of it and with him it's basically the same it's that such little things go, go such a far way and under themselves they also motivate each other obviously it's bragging rights for them as well when their cars are the quickest on the on the racetrack and yes yeah, uh, small things that we use to motivate them and we try to motivate it uh, basically department the department by department so um giving each department their own goals and once they reach it, and obviously it's so well rewarded. Mm. I love what you're talking about. Cause I mean, the people aspect of this, I was in management for over 20 years. And so I got to hire a lot of people, unfortunately let some people go. And one of the, one of the interesting aspects that I would like to ask you in this particular situation is when you're bringing somebody on board for that team, what is it that you're looking for? Are you looking for more skills? Are you looking for more personality? Are you looking to, you know, what kind of types of things are you looking for to make sure that that person is coming on and they're going to be a, a great co-member of the team, but also be the, the exact support person that you need for yourself. Talk to us about that process of hiring the right people to be uh, a part of that team that's difficult obviously it's always a little bit uh, skill based that's that's the, the, the first criteria and then secondly we always look to for someone that would fit into the team um, so we always a team at work is work and then also we we have our fun times when we have like a soccer match at the at the workshop or we have a, a barbecue or something so we always look for someone that can fit into that that type of environment as well obviously you need to have a bit of fun and then also be very serious about your work and that's a difficult balance to find to have someone that, that's committed to working till two or three o'clock in the morning and then also go out to have some fun so we always look for someone that's really dedicated to their work um back again in motorsport uh, experiences basically everything at some level but recently i've also Got some guys that that have no experience about motorsport. They don't, they don't even know really what racing is, and we've been teaching them and building them up. And for them, it's also like they look up to the guys that have been there for 17 or 18 years in motorsport and look up to the position where they are. So they obviously get taught a lot from these guys. So it's always very interesting. But I think we have a very good atmosphere in the team. There's no one that's uh, let's say doesn't want to be there. We give them the option that if they get a a better opportunity will never hold them back but as long as they're there we want we want to give them the best opportunity that we can they know that we try to to do everything from our side that we can and gerald that's a team manager is obviously is uh is very good to all the people in the workshop so um yeah i think that's that's the main thing is finding out if someone is unhappy why they're unhappy and trying to fix it and changing their the environment for them so that's the big thing and not just saying oh well this guy's down it's uh, his problem we always try to to keep everyone in mind and from that point building the team up forward and i think it's like that in any racing team what i've seen in europe as well have been some very successful teams and 
it's the same. You can have one one guy that's down and it can pull the whole team down. So if you rather put your effort into to lifting that one guy up than looking at all the guys that are already happy because eventually it will pull everyone down as well. So I think that's something that I that I learned in my racing career in Europe, especially that uh, you need a team to be working together. Otherwise, it's just working against each other. Mm. I love that. You know, two things that you've said multiple times, and I think these are keys here, are as a leader to be a good listener and somebody who knows how to find what challenges people. So what keeps them excited? And so throughout your life, you know, tell me some of the things that you've done that have really challenged you and have any leaders really listened to you and you really saw the difference because when they're listening to you and challenging you, you saw that elevation in yourself. I think where I was uh, very lucky was in my karting career. Um, we had a team principal uh, called Etienne Ruiz from Ruiz Car Team. And he was always very strict and really told me to have habits and to go exercise and stuff. So he always helped me or let's say challenged me to be the best person that I could be. So I think that was for me, he was always a big leader, someone that I always respected and still respect to, to today. And um, what, he, what he thinks or says is something that really matters to me. So I was always very lucky to have his advice. He was also very successful in motorsport and he also had his own, still has his very successful karting team. So I was very lucky from a young age that I could, could bounce my, my ideas off him. And also when I was growing up, he was obviously teaching me everything that, he, that he's learned over his years of racing. So I think that was something that was very important. I saw him as a leader from basically day one. He was also the same guy that picked me up to, to start my, race, my karting career as this one that saw the, the potential of me. So um, I think at that young age, I was just so lucky to have someone that, that listened to me even as a nine or 10-year-old kid and telling yeah. me, no, this is wrong or do this. So um, I was very lucky to, to learn that from a young age. And that's something that I want to give back to, to younger kids um, later on in my life or even now if someone comes to me for advice, I'm never too busy to to give someone advice, especially a young kid that's uh, karting, that's always looking up. Because I remember the day that I was there looking at someone that's racing in Europe thinking, well, one day I want to be there. And, you know, he always said that you, you ne you're never bigger than the sport and you always have to make time for the younger kids and the, the people that are, that are under you because they're also actually responsible for you being there. They support you through them supporting you, getting the sponsors and getting to live your dreams. So it's uh, obviously very important. I was just very lucky to learn that from a very young age. Mm. Yeah, the thing I'm thinking about when we were talking about this is the fact that you are the race car driver, right? You're the guy that's in the car. You have the team that are, that are doing all the different various functions of that. I could see how it'd be easy. I mean, in any leadership position, I could see how it, in myself as well, like we can let it go to our head. We can get in our egoic state. And we talk about, Scott and I talk about this, like getting in the ego versus, you know, like being really true to ourselves. How do you keep yourself grounded from getting into that egoic state? Like saying, okay, I'm the guy in the car and you guys need to follow what I'm directions are I'm doing. How do you keep yourself grounded to be able Great to question. be, to be that, you know, to be, cause I could tell where you're at. I could, I pretty much could tell what your answer is going to be, but I think people out there really listening who might be in that egoic state because I'm the boss or not because I said, so how do you stay grounded in your situation to not have that arrogance and that, that, that egotistical nature about yourself? Uh, it's actually a bit of a difficult question, but uh, I think as I myself, and my dad worked on, on cards from a young age. I never had the, the mechanics that other kids had. I couldn't just lay on the chair after the session and say, 
put a different engine or change the sprocket or what or change the setup i had to do all of that myself so i really got a lot of appreciation for doing it to know the effort that goes in behind the scenes and also in COVID, i worked for a team full-time where the car that i was racing i had to race prep myself i had to change the clutches the gearboxes do the setup and still till today i work with the the mechanics on the cars doing setup and keeping track of the mileage of the parts and changing parts, doing stock takes, uh, packing the trucks with them. So I know the effort that goes into it. I know the two o'clock, three o'clock mornings that you working on the cars, not knowing where to find the next problem or how you're going to get to the circuit at eight o'clock the next morning. For instance, the previous race meeting the, the day before the truck had to leave, we were still in the workshop at 3 a.m., drove to the nearest circuit, tested at 7 a.m., and then loaded the cars and the trucks had to go to Town. So I understand the, the effort that everyone is going through. I've been in every step from doing tire pressures and basically until managing a team and racing. So I understand the effort and the commitment that every guy on the team has. And I mean, even the guy putting on the tire, I'm not more important than him because I know the effort that he's putting in and he's probably working just as hard, if not harder than myself on that race weekend. So I respect everyone for what, what they do. And I think also... Um, by not just uh, saying what someone else has to do, but also leading by example and sometimes doing it by yourself. I think that gains a lot of respect. And I think especially in the team that's gained, gained a lot of respect when they see the, the racing driver also staying until two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning trying to help to, to sort the car out. So I think that that was a, a big gain for me. And also I think that, that what sometimes helped me to keep, to keep humble, also coming out of a very humble family where my dad always always told me you can never get big at a game and you're only as good as your last race. So it doesn't help that you get big-headed about your previous race because the next one you might be finishing last. So you have to, to take the success <clears throat> of success, but you're going to lose a, a lot more than what you're going to win. So no use about getting big-headed. You need to stay humble and also keep the, the support around you. I've had a, a very good support base around me, very good friends, a very supportive, supportive girlfriend and family around around me and i think without that it would have been difficult i mean i'm not home probably for about 280 days if not more yeah so it, it does get challenging a lot of traveling a lot of time that you spend alone sitting in a restaurant alone but also think back about all of these people that that believe in the dream the same as what i do and representing sponsors i mean kulila let from into africa is a big help in my life sean penrick from um fanatical software has believed in my dream and they let me race with them and also help fund, fund other racing. So, I mean, when, when I'm sitting there alone, it's like what you said, what would you do if a TV crew is following you? And it's same what I think if they, they backing me, I can't be, be sitting around at the house and thinking that everything is going to be happening by itself. You need to, need to work for it. And I think that's where I've been very lucky to have the support around me to, to get up every morning and carry on working. Thank you for that. That's a beautiful answer. Thank you. What you just said there, we need to create a snippet from that and we need yeah. to send that all over the planet. And yep. the reason I want to send that all over the planet is this leadership in the world today as a whole and where we're at right now, there's been so much bypassing of leadership. So somebody comes from enough money. Somebody got to go to the college of the choice, the Ivy League school. They went to the great MBA program and suddenly they're managing people and they're leading organizations without an understanding of what goes on in the trenches. The days of, you know, we had um, Gordon Bethune. Uh, Gordon Bethune was the CEO of Continental Airlines. He started working on the runways. He did every job literally 
at Continental Airlines, knew how to fly every single airplane. So when there's a problem within the organization, he goes, I know what they're feeling. Here's yeah. what we need to do. And his hands were in it. And so you are a rarity of leaders of today. And I applaud you for that. And I, it's like, I, I just want to say it's effing amazing. I love it. And I hope, and I think with people like you, I think the world's leaders are going to start to change. And we're not going to put as much emphasis on where did this person go to school? Where do they do this? But how much deep understanding does this individual have of every part, every cog of that organization to include the people, the roles, the jobs? So what can you tell leaders who might have come up the road and bypassed some of the understanding? Okay, so really understanding what's going on. What can you tell them to start doing? So great, I've got an MBA from Wharton. I went to Harvard, I've got this. Here I am at the, the helm of this big organization. What can you tell them about the leadership that you're offering that maybe they can learn a little bit from you? Because I know there's a lot you could teach them. Well, I think that's, that's a very good question. And again, um, in the position where I'm now, obviously I, I work with a lot of, of businessmen, a lot of big corporate companies and I always, ask questions to understand how people reach their, their success. And one answer that I, that I always get, or a very common quest answer that I get, especially when you're asking, how did you get to the top, is by understanding every level, every step of the way. Um, so I, I think that's just so important, even if, if you, you did bypass all the ways, you didn't have to, to go through to every step of the way. Maybe you got into it from a, got pulled from a different, job um let's say to motorsports or to any other business in the world i think it's then going and understanding what everyone underneath you is doing um i had a great example of that of a team principal coming in from from the corporate car side into the motorsports he didn't know much about racing but he really made it his job of every day understanding something about the business understanding how racing is working he was never a racing driver by himself, but uh, he really does effort to understand why we need to exercise, why we need to, to do certain stuff we do, what pressure we're going through in the car, what systems we have to learn, and really understanding every vital part of the company. So he's going to everyone in the company and every, and every area, understanding what they're doing from the sweeper up to the racing, up, up to the guy that, that's racing the car. And I think that's very important, not just... Um, being in a principal position, just saying you have to do this, you have to do this, um, and not understanding what they're going through or the time that it takes for them to do it. Because I think that's sometimes something that's very mistaken as the time that something can take. You might expect it might just only take 20 minutes to to build a, a gearbox, but in reality, it might be actually taking two days. So you might be getting upset with someone saying they're not doing their job correctly, demotivating them, but actually they're doing the best job that, that, that they can do and actually doing it ahead of schedule. So I think it's really understanding every step of the way in the company and what everyone is doing and especially the timelines timelines it takes um, to complete a, a project. Mm, love this stuff. I mean, it's such amazing stuff. I could sit here and talk to you all day, Stuart. Uh, Scott, any final questions for Stuart? Final question is, uh, when are we getting out to uh, South Africa so we can all party again? Yeah. Or when are you getting here? <laughs> I'm looking to, to expand to the U.S. for sure. I'm wanting to come back, looking at some races for early next year. So maybe I'll be back. But the invitation to South Africa is uh, always open. Doors standing wide open, cars fueled and ready to go to pick you up at the airport. <laughs> Let's go. It. I know. 
I Let's know. Go, I so. want to go. I want to go every day, all day. Once Kayla's in college, I'll probably just be at your doorstep. You'll probably like say no. I'm going to get rid of that uh, invitation because you're here a little bit too much. So I'll you know, just we'll get you happen. to polish some of them, some of the racing cars tires, and then then it'll be all right. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. If I'm up at two a.m. and then I'm out partying with you afterward, then I'm accepted into the group. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so Stuart, where can people get a hold of you, uh, like on social media and 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 different places like that to continue the conversation to be able to support you in your race car driving and be able to see you? Uh, so on Facebook, um, I have a, a, a big page on uh, Stuart White Racing. So posting updates uh, for every race weekend, some behind the scenes snippets of videos, and then also on Stuart underscore white underscore for uh, Instagram. So been growing a lot of following, especially this year, doing a lot of racing. So um, I think the social media platforms have been growing, growing quite a bit and uh, hopefully be growing even more over the, the coming season, looking to expand with some interesting things into the end of this year, giving a bit of behind the scenes uh, laps and also explaining a little bit more what's happening in the racing team i think especially with like drive to survive and all of that that came out a lot of people wanting to see a little bit more behind the scenes and i think that also helps to get new people into the sport so definitely looking to expand um into those areas awesome, just so, you awesome. guys, so for you guys listening for the podcast too it's stuart s-t-u-a-r-t underscore white underscore so that's on uh, instagram and just so you know it's stuart with s-t-u-a-r-t and W-H-I-T-E instead of W-H-Y-T-E. Sometimes it could be that as well. If you guys yeah. listening on the podcast, it's facebook.com forward slash Stuart White Racing South Africa, all one word. If you just go into Facebook and type in Stuart White Racing, you're going to find it as well. And of course, it'll always be in the show notes. So you guys can go just find it in there and click on it. But uh, Stuart, this has been a fantastic conversation. I mean, racing, I could sit here and talk to you about hours and hours and hours of it. I think we've provided a, a very concise representation of what people can take from this conversation. And, and really, I think the, the highlight of it is like what Scott said, is the fact that, you know, when you're willing to do what it is that your team is going through, and when you're willing to have that perspective of what it is that they experience and that appreciation for them, they can see that and they can respect that in you. And I think that's, I know that's one of the things that built my leadership was that I was never afraid to do what I asked anybody else to do i would go out there and pull and pack orders i would go drive the forklift i would go load containers i would go you know stack paper i would do whatever it needed to be done and people would sit there and say wow you're not like the rest of the bosses that just tell me what to do and so i think that's a, a big takeaway from what it is that we're talking about today so thank you for being here i look forward to, to following your career and learning more about you we're going to place you backstage scott and i are going to finish out the show but don't go anywhere because we still want to have a little chat with you but thank you again for being here on the unfiltered experience with us Thank you. I um, hope to be to be back soon. I just want to thank uh, everyone that's been part of my journey and supporting me all the way. I truly appreciate it. And thanks for you guys for for letting me tell, for giving me the opportunity to tell the people about my journey and the, the leadership in sport. And hopefully I'll be back soon. Yes, Amen. definitely. Definitely. Thank you, Stuart. Mm -hmm. Scott, what an amazing uh, guest. Thank you for introducing him to us. I mean, just a powerful, I mean, young man, really, who's got such a great head on his shoulders and, and what from what he really gained from his father and seeing in his footsteps, but really just applying his own integrity and his choice to be a part of the team, not just lead the team and not just tell people what to do, but really be that hands-on person to sit there and say, hey, let me build a gearbox with you. Hey, let me, let me do these things. Let me understand what it is that you're going through so that I don't just come off the road and go, why did you do this? He's got a better understanding of being there. And I think that's what 
one of the most valuable lessons that people can take away from this is know what your team does, work alongside them, get to know them as a person. And the other aspect that I really loved and enjoyed about that is, you know, make it sure that they're an all around person they can be on that team. Not only do they have the skills, but can they have a good time? Are they going to associate well with the other people? Are they going to see that vision that everybody has and everybody needs in order to stay motivated during those times when it's two o'clock in the morning and you want to give up? I don't know. It was a great conversation. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get value out of this. Yeah, hundred percent. And the first thing I want to do is I want to give Stu a hundred percent um, that he's become his own person on his own. Okay. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's around you. He did it. He decided to create himself as an independent person who's got all these ethics and these great principles. But I also want to say something too. When you meet his dad, when you meet his mom, when you meet the friend group around him, we're always talking about the five people who you become that. There is a lot of truth to that. He's got some awesome an awesome foundation of amazing people around him supporting him like incredible people like the best people so it's no accident that he's amazing but he still gets 100 percent credit for being the amazing human being that seek that he is but i also want to say something too look at what you just heard today and just imagine what your life looks like when you surround yourself with like-minded people because a lot of that still is he's put himself around the new people he's even talking about how they're creating that team and inspiring the team and having a common dream like he's saying all the right things but he's doing the right things so he's not just an, a dreamer he's also an actually an oriented in, individual who makes things happen so mm -hmm. you can learn a lot by listening to this one again that one answer that he had where he really talked about what it's like to be in the trenches as a leader do that a thousand times over i'm going to listen to that one again because that was absolutely beautiful so yeah thank you for being on it was amazing yeah, we're definitely going to have some sound clips out of this one. And just to remind you guys all, I mean, there's so many powerful conversations we've had here on these shows, just like this one. Go to theunfilteredexperience.com. Go and check out the podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. You can check it out on YouTube as well. Go back and check out some of the previous episodes. We've had some amazing guests. We've uh, and we and you've, you, the biggest thing is not only just be inspired by these conversations, but take down notes. And if you think yeah. there was one thing you could take from this conversation today and apply it in your life over the next couple of weeks, and what kind of differences you can start to see a couple of other conversations and what it is that you implement and what it is that you can start to see that change that has a ripple effect and that compound ripple effect creates more confidence and creates that more that that ability to be a great leader within your own life within your own personal relationships within your own professional relationships and there's no shortage of future guests and future conversations that scott and i are going to be having here on the unfiltered experience so we always invite you to come back here every friday night 5 p.m pacific standard time live on the video cast of course you can catch us on podcast wherever you get podcasts or Old. Scott, uh, I'm, I'm excited for the upcoming episodes. Any final thoughts that you want to send the people off with today to be able to get them inspired about taking responsibility for their own leadership? Absolutely. Make sure you download us on either iTunes or Spotify or again, wherever you're getting your podcast, because uh, a lot of golden nuggets in this. And we look forward to sharing more amazing shows like this with you. And we love you guys. We will see you next time here on the Unfiltered Experience. Go out there and be the change that you want to see.